Hey, welcome back to the Next Gen Leadership Podcast. If you're joining us today, you're desiring to grow as a leader. Our goal here on the podcast is to reproduce well-rounded leaders so that we can impact the next generation of leaders. Each month, we're going to be inviting a new leader on that serves here at Rock Church who has a different story and some different leadership insights. And today, we've got Vicki Miller here with us. Say what's up to the crowd, Vicki. What's up? Hey, so we're excited. Uh, Vicki is a newer leader. She serves in Rock Kids, so she serves with our elementary kids. And Vicki is a retired teacher who's been crushing it on the team lately. Vicki, how long did you teach before you retired? I taught for 31 years. I taught high school, alternative ed. Those are at-risk students. And then I taught sixth grade reading. And currently, I've been subbing for the same district I retired from. So I'm K through 12 certified. Yeah. So I've taught all ages. So you've really gotten every that experience all over the map. And now you're serving with elementary. So it's a little bit different from what you did teaching wise. Um, but even though kids are kind of all the same, you know, just in different stages of life. So I'm excited because today on this episode, um, when Vicki and I talked ahead of time, we talked about student engagement. So on this episode, we're going to talk about leading the charge for student engagement and how do we as leaders, because this can be a really tricky subject, how do we as leaders engage the next generation um, You know, at home, here in the church, um, at school, things like that. And the crazy thing is in this world today where we've got, you know, they're being engaged by everything, by social media, by video games, by you name it, they're friends. They're constantly getting information. So how do we as leaders kind of engage them with the content um, here at the church? So why don't we, before we get to that, why don't you just tell a little bit about your story, a little about your life, how you came to faith in Jesus. Um, And then even if you want there, we'll get there in a second, but we'll sprinkle in some of that teaching stuff too. Okay, good. I, um, well, my grandparents on my mom's side were Baptist, and my grandparents on my dad's side were Methodist. And then growing up with my parents, I was Presbyterian. <laughs> so, and my mom actually directed a play one time, and it was like the Christmas play. Yeah, yeah. And my father, he sang. And as a child, I remember listening to him sing songs from his hymnal. And so that was really refreshing at night. That calmed me down that he would do that. Yeah. And then I, um, in high school, I had a great coach that was our men's basketball coach. Uh And he was very supportive of the cheerleaders that I was a cheerleader in high school. And he befriended me when I was up at Central Michigan again, and he was in charge of like FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Oh, yeah. So Uh he had me attend that. I begrudgingly went, but it was good for me to go because I was able to be with quite a few other students who Mm -hmm. had faith in their life. And um, I would go back, you asked me about when I really thought I had Jesus Mm -hmm. in my heart. And that would have been when I was um, 10. My um, teacher was Mr. Freeman, and my parents were going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of those moments in your life that it's not very happy. It's rather sad, and you're questioning Mm -hmm. why, and why would this happen? And he just reminded me that God loved me, and Jesus would always be with me through that. And that's when he prayed with me. And I thought, wow, that was pretty neat that my um, teacher would get on his knees and have me pray with him. And so that really helped me. That's so cool. So as so you grew up like knowing faith and mm-hmm. and it took that extra person to really help you 
get to have a real relationship with Jesus. So kind of shifting gears here a mm-hmm. little bit. So you taught as a teacher for 31 years in, right. in all these different areas, right? So you were a student and you knew the impact that it that it took for you to grow up in your faith. Um, why don't you kind of talk about as a teacher, what were some of the big lessons you learned early on? So you're out of college. I didn't know you went to Central uh, Michigan either. So I, I went to Wayne State, so okay. Wayne State Warriors. Uh but why don't you kind of talk about early on, like what were some of the big shocks as a, as a newer teacher, some of those big lessons you had to kind of learn? Well, I definitely learned humility, um, <laughs> teaching alternative ed students yeah. because their lives were so different from my life. Mm-hmm. And I really had to learn what it was like to be an at-risk student, mm-hmm. to have a different type of family life than what I had growing up. Mm-hmm. And I definitely learned empathy. I learned to really understand how a student feels. I think sometimes we get so caught up in that our students don't have any trials or tribulations or challenges Mm -hmm. in life, that we think they just come to us with smiles and they're ready to learn. And there's so much more that goes on in their life. And to just really tap in and find out what is going on. And I learned to never take anything personally. If a student was acting out in my classroom, chances are it didn't have anything to do with me. It had something to do with what was happening at home or with the school itself, like with another student. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even like I could have said something that the student misinterpreted, something that I did or said. And so I needed to talk to him and say, what is going on? You're not normally like this. You've never like put your head down and gone to literally sleep in my class. So why are you sleeping? (laughs) So I had to try to figure out what was also going on at home. I think you did a really good job just now talking about that empathy piece. I think we missed that. And that might be a really good future podcast. But why don't you go back and talk a little bit about that humility piece? Uh, You know, what kind of pops up in my head is when we kind of look at the church and we look at teachers, Mm -hmm. I think our first gut reaction is, well, aren't they supposed to come in feeling humble? Like, why is that such a big part of leadership nowadays? So can you talk about that? Like, why for you being an early on teacher and, and as a leader, right, in the classroom setting, why was it so important for you to come in humble and learn humility? I would say because I needed to realize that everything didn't revolve around me, Mm. that there was so much more going on, that I needed to focus on what the students' needs were. And I needed to not feel frightened or fearful if somebody suggested that I try it a different way. Um, a lesson a different way. Oh, okay. Or if I tried to approach a student a different way, or I could learn from other teachers. And many times you can learn from your students. And I had to learn that as well. So when I think of humility, I think of it as growth and learning. I look at it as not being all about me Mm -hmm. and only I can do this, but make it more of we can do it, more of like a team. So, so you kind of take that approach. You learned a lot early on. Mm-hmm. I remember being a newer leader, and I still am kind of a newer leader, and I have learned so <laughs> much, right? That humility piece is so huge. But talk about down the road a little bit. So as you kind of got some experience under your belt, um, talk about how, how did it feel when you kind of got in a rhythm of you knew what you were doing? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? 
Right, you get a little complacent. Yeah. And you think that you don't need to learn any different teaching methods or mm-hmm. strategies. You just want to keep doing the same old, same right. old. What I had to remind myself is my students are not the same. I may mm. be teaching the same content, wow. yet the students in the classroom are always different. So that um, cohesiveness that you want to build in the classroom, you may yeah. have to do it differently because you're going to get different students every year. Wow, that's so good. I heard a quote one time. I think uh, Pastor Angelo says it. He says, the method can change, but the mission stays the same. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it kind of applies to what we're talking about. We're mm-hmm. in an age where, you know, after COVID, a lot of things are online. The students are getting content all the time. And and I hear this thing that, I don't know if you ever heard this as a teacher, but high schoolers are constantly come up to me and say, oh my goodness, can you believe the middle schoolers nowadays? They're <laughs> horrible. And I'm like thinking to myself, well, yeah, this has changed, this has changed, but you were not as great, you know, as, as a middle schooler back then too. So as you, as you're talking about this kind of thing, this topic, um, as, as a teacher, you had to change throughout the years because your students changed differently. How, how can we do that? What, what are some things that you saw that we as, as church leaders, as leaders in the church can do? What, what are things we can change as our students and our kids change? Okay. Well, what I notice is just being involved in a student's life mm. outside of the church. They really pay attention and mm. they look to see who's in the audience at their dance recitals, at their choir concerts, mm. at their band concerts, at their sporting events, other than just parents or family members. And I know several people on our team do attend those activities right, yeah. and participate. And I know that's very important because students will be like so happy to see you, like their face just lights up. Yeah. And just learning about who they are and being authentic with them. That's so good. You know, what you have to remember is the experiences are still the same. Uh-huh. They're still gonna experience bullying. You know, I started teaching in 1987, and there was bullying then, and there's right. bullying now. Yeah. So those emotions don't change. That doesn't change. Yeah. But how we address it and deal with it can change. We can wow. be more aware of what's going on, and we can address the issue in a in a calm way. Right. In that, and try to have the students work it out. That's so good. I, I want my listeners to catch this. Like, we have a teacher who taught for 31 years here. And they're they're saying to us like, hey, the the things that happen in schools, hey, they don't change, but the way we deal with it, we have to make sure we come at it from a different perspective and, and understanding. And that's so important, I think, as leaders that we catch that mm-hmm. that not every kid is going to be the same that we deal with. I, you know, I always thought as a young leader, I have to find the one way to, you know, in air quotes, you can't see my air quotes right now, but air quotes, deal with a kid. <laughs> But every kid, you know, K through fit, because this podcast is geared for, you know, kids, students, and young adults, right? Every person is different. And you've got to help them and give them attention in areas that you might not have to for another student. And so um, you had some things that you, you had told me ahead of time you wanted to share um, in terms of helping students better focus and engage in faith. What are some of those things? If you had to give me just a list of things, a couple things, what what are some of those ways that you have found help students better focus and better engage in their faith? 
Well, what I have found is to set guidelines at the Mm -hmm. very beginning of a class. And guidelines are just, you know, for small group, we're going to sit in chairs in a circle. We might sit on the floor when we're doing an activity. Mm -hmm. So how do we sit? Well, we sit with our hands in our lap, our ears are opened, and our mouth is closed. That's why we have two ears and one mouth. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of people say that. And then you can also have like a quiet signal. And that isn't like where you say, class, pay attention, please be quiet. You just have like a nonverbal s- signal and you have the class maybe decide what it's going to be. Right. And the challenge with um, children's ministry is you only meet with those students like once a week and your class, the cohesive, it's always going to be different students. However, there are some repeat students. So you just ask them, hey, you know, my name's Miss Miller or Miss Vicki, Mm -hmm. and this is um, Miss Brenda. She's who teaches with me. And you know what, Colton, you've been here quite a lot and you Mm -hmm. know what our quiet signal is. Could you please show it to some of the new students? And he loves it. You know, there's certain students that love to act and they like to like say, hey, look, I know what it is. And in fact, he made it up, so he better remember it, right? (laughs) Right. And so that's what you do. And it only takes a few seconds at the beginning of each class because just a reminder, just, and then we go to large group and this is what we do in large group. And then we're gonna come back and we're going to have right. some activities. And just to make sure that they're all engaging and they're all working together is That's real important. so good. So setting the tone for your for your students. So whether you have kids, students, young, your small group, like mm-hmm. here are the things that we expect. Right. It doesn't have to be – I think people give uh, teachers and leaders a bad rap. It doesn't have to be mean, right? No. But it can be, it can be firm and loving and understanding of this is who we are. So right. So what else you got? I have um, used directives. For instance, if you want a student to walk out the door, say walk, use walking feet. If you yell run, you know, don't run, all they hear is run. run. <laughs> so I've learned very like early on in my educational experience wow. to say like exactly what I want that student to do. Yeah. And sometimes I have to think, what is it I want them to do at this moment? Mm-hmm. But I just learned if I said don't talk, they talk. Right. Another another aspect I learned is when I said, you know, please be quiet, they're quiet, and my quiet is so different. <laughs> so that's why I have that quiet signal is because right. it's absolutely 100% silent. Hmm. And that's how you get their attention. But wow. the directives really help. That's so good. I never thought of it that way. I, I'm always like, because we're not prepared sometimes, we panic and we go don't run or we say the thing that that we don't want them to do but really in reality they weren't (laughs) even planning on doing that until you said it exactly (laughs) exactly that's so good and that even helps as a parent yeah you know with Libby and Allie my two daughters I had to really catch myself because I was always telling them what not to do Mm -hmm. instead of what to do right and so that helped too. That's so good. And and we didn't even get to, we'll kind of get to this part at the end of the podcast, but we didn't even get to the home yet. So if you're a parent that's listening right now too, we've got something special at the end. We really want to make sure we talk about not just in church and small groups and large groups and things like that, but we want to talk about a little bit in the home as well. Do you have any more of those things that you wanted to list out? I really work on praise. Mm-hmm. Like when you see a child doing something correct, 
really praise that child, mm. really say, you know, that is so good. Thank you for listening. I really like the way, and I use the student's name, like I really like the way Jagger is listening. Look at it. He's like, right. he's so quiet. He's sitting still. And then all of a sudden you'll see all the other students that are like, okay, I want to do that too because <laughs> I want Miss Vicky to like say my name. <laughs> right, yeah. So I, I work hard at that as well. That's so good. When you see it, you say it, right? When mm-hmm. you see somebody, when it, if it makes you go, oh, they're catching it. Like, oh, they're catching the vision here mm-hmm. and then saying it. And so is there is there one more or is that, that all of them? Um, oh, and just demonstrate. Like mm. demonstrate what it is you really want the student to do. Like when we're asked to pray, then make sure, you know, our head is bowed, our hands are folded, right. uh, we're on our knees or, you know, our head, our eyes are closed. Just make sure you are demonstrating the same behavior. You know, if if a student is talking, mm-hmm. then I shouldn't be talking to somebody else either. Wow. You know, just being that role model. That's so good. So why don't we why don't we get a little bit practical here? Could you share a time, or maybe even two times if you have any? I mean, you taught for thirty one years. You might have a lot of examples <laughs> here, uh, where you were trying to get a student to the next level. Um, and you saw growth. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a faith example, mm-hmm. but is there a time or two where there was a student, maybe an alternative ed that, man, they, you just want to see the best for them and you just kept being consistent and there and you saw growth? Okay. Well, I have, I do have several experiences. Yeah. I do know with my alternative ed students, I would pray for them. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't always know I was praying for them, but I would pray in the morning. And I always kept um, just the belief that there's good. I believe firmly in Anne Frank and her quote is, you know, I still believe all people are good. Mm. And if she could believe that, then so could I. Wow. And so I really looked for the good in the students. And one of my former students is Bree Miller. Oh, really? And that was so impressive to see her. Because I always wonder, you know, sometimes where are my students? What are they doing? Yeah. And she's like, hey, Vic. And I turn around and I know that's an alternative <laughs> ed student. And she's like, it's Brie. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Wow. So I don't always see the growth immediately. But what a beautiful testimony she has. Right. And a lovely family. Right. And how she came to have that and what she did and changed her life and turned it around. And I have several students that I've run into that way. And I really love seeing that. Yeah. And as um, an alternative ed teacher, I will say that those students had some of the most challenging experiences and they just turned it around. And I actually taught some of their children in my sixth grade. I watched (laughs) some of their children graduate from high school and they're incredible parents. Mm -hmm. And so to see that is like full circle for me. But I did have an experience with one of my middle school students, and this um, student was rather a rascal, I would say. Mm. Rapscallion is kind of that word. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> egghead word. Yeah. But um, I just, like, I thought that student was never, ever going to have any manners. You know, I, I took him to mm. Miller's Manor School one time. That was on his lunch hour. And so this was at Christmas time, and the team teacher and I had planned some activities, and we had ordered pizza for uh-huh. the students. And so I was passing out the pizza slices, and I said, now what do we have to do before you know we can eat? And I'm thinking, well, we need to wait for everyone to get their pizza. And this young boy, Luke, he stands up and he's like, well, Miss Miller, we have to pray. I'm like, 
you must have really <laughs> learned your manners, but not from me. Right, <laughs> from yeah, home at yeah. some point. And so that was like so impressive that wow. he wanted to do that. And I asked my class, is there anybody who objects or doesn't want to? And not one kid objected. Wow. And so I thought, okay. And see, it was student oriented. Like yeah. the student initiated it, not me. And so it was funny because his prayer was, um, dear God, thank you for Miss Miller and Mr. Griffin because we love pizza. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but just to see that he did, did have that good, good quality, yeah. just to see that good quality existed. I, I think you're really hitting something that, you know, we'll probably talk about here in future podcasts is, is a lot of what we do, it's got to be student led. You know, we, we can have an impact and we can do what we want to do, but it's really going to make an impact when a student gets a hold of it and they do it themselves, you know, and right. they catch it. And so why don't we, I got a couple more questions here. Why don't, why don't we start with this one? If you could give an advice, let's talk just specifically to leaders. We'll talk parents in a second. Mm-hmm. Just to a leader um, in the church, maybe a, a, a teacher, if a teacher listens to this, um, who has a, a hard time keeping students engaged, what would you say? If it, your biggest piece of advice, there's just a student that is constantly testing my patience, um, what would you say to that, that student? I would tell um, that teacher to... Make sure you're praying because prayer is powerful. Mm-hmm. And just to persevere, like keep keep going. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you never know when that student, the light might click or they might turn around. And to just don't give up and find something positive. Find something good that that student is doing and really praise mm. that behavior. I also would say... Pull the student out and talk to them one-on-one individually and ask if something's going on and what it is. It could be something at home that's happening with Mm -hmm. uh, another student in the class or with another um, at the school they attend, like their elementary school, their general ed school, not necessarily in children's ministry. And just find out and say, you know, I really like it that you have all this energy and you love to like shout out the answers. (laughs) But when you do that, you don't allow the other students to participate too. Mm -hmm. So we really need to work together as a team. And I need you to just wait a couple minutes and I'll get to you. But if you could just please raise your hand, that would really help me. Right. Sometimes just talking to a student one-on-one. They, they like that yeah. because they're trying to get your attention. Right. Many times what they're doing is because you pay attention to them when they're doing something they shouldn't be. Right, yeah. But trying to pay attention. And it's going to take a while, but it will click. Yeah, and that's so good too. I was going to say that earlier is that, hey, listeners, it's it took 31 years you <laughs> know of a career to do this. And so as leaders, you know, I get life happens sometimes, but we got to stick through things because it doesn't just take uh, – we, we see a student – you know, one time for an hour and a half a week, you know, that's not nearly as much time that, that we need to accomplish things. So I say that to say this, there's a lot of parents that are probably listening to this podcast too. We'll talk this for a little bit and we'll close as a, as a teacher talking to a parent. Mm -hmm. If, if you could give any advice to a parent who has a hard time integrating faith in the home, what would you say? So I want to preface this with this. I don't think that I'm not a parent right now. I don't think there's a perfect parent out there. Um, and I appreciate and love parents because each of them has individual struggles and things that they got to work through. Some parents, you know, grew up a Christian and had great faith and it was easier to integrate faith. 
But some parents, I think, came to faith later, and they kind of had to backpedal a little bit and help get their kids going that way too. So there's no judgment, I don't think, in this question. I really want to I want to bring that clarity here. But for a parent, what would you say is is the biggest takeaway or piece of advice you would give them to integrating faith at home, engaging students at home? I would say plant little seeds. For the most part, it doesn't have to be a moment like it's difficult to all sit down and have dinner and mm-hmm. to say your prayer or go go around the kitchen table and say, you know, each person say what they're grateful for, like we do at Thanksgiving, yeah. because then we have the time. But I know for myself as a parent with my own daughters, Libby and Allie, before we would go to school, we would maybe meet down at the entryway of our home and just mm-hmm. say, you know, let's just pray real quick. Everyone come back here safely. Everyone have a great day. Yeah. You know, just thank God for this day, this moment and what we have. Amen. You're just saying that quickly and then just always telling your kids, I love you. I love you. Yeah. And just, you know, that that's a quick 10 second, not even type right. of prayer. And even when you're in the car, you know, sometimes when we would be driving, we would just pray real quickly, like, let's have a safe trip wherever mm-hmm. we're go- where we were, our destination was, where we were going. I remember one time we got stuck, the girls and I did. It was wintertime. And I remember one of my daughters, I said, oh, my goodness, we're stuck. And my daughter said, well, Mom, when we get stuck, we pray. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow, that little seed. It's just right. that little seed once in a while. Just you sing some of the songs with them when you're in the car. Yeah. You know, I remember Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and I remember, <laughs> like, let your little light shine. Right. You know, and it's just those little things. And just being a testimony yourself, being authentic. Mm-hmm. And if your child is struggling, let them know, you know, I went through this too. Yeah. But this is what I did. I leaned on my faith. I trusted God to get me through. That's so good. And, you know, I watched my one daughter Elizabeth, one time she was in eighth grade, and Marine City and St. Clair, they were big rivals. Mm. And she was a great basketball player, and she missed four free throws. Oh, no. And she'd never missed them before. And she was very sad. And I said, hey, you know, what did you learn? And she was, like, very frustrated, and she said that I can't do free throws. And I said, let's not say can't. Let's Mm. say, what can I do? And so she went out, and she just kept practicing. And I said, how do you feel? And she said, better. Mm. So sometimes, and I said, I get that. You know, I I failed chemistry twice. Mm. I understand. Sometimes we do fail. Sometimes mistakes happen. But God is with you through that time, and he'll get you there. Like, mistakes happen, but where's the growth? Right. What can we teach our child? Because our child... They're going to fail. Our children yeah. are going to fail, just like we did. And letting them know that failure is okay, and you don't have to stay there. Right. You can get up, brush yourself off, get back in the game. Wow, that's so good. Failure is not fatal. Right. Failure is not fatal. That's It's so good to remember. I, you hear that all the time, but when you're in it, when you miss four three free throws, when you fail a class, you know, little things that, you know, down the road, she might not remember that moment, but remembering that, hey, I learned that, Failure didn't keep me down and keep right. going. So I love that. So why don't we close here? Is there anything else that you want to share? Um, any stories, any personal things before we close? I would also just like to share the fact that writing a note to someone and incorporating scripture mm-hmm. is very important. I know for myself, I brought in two of my um, cards. Oh, you got them here right with you. I with do. Us. Yeah. I do. I brought them. 
and they were from my um, varsity boys basketball coach because I was a cheerleader. Right. And what I remember about it is he included that scripture. And like I said, I'm 58 years old. And so I received these when I was in high school. I was 17, 18. I've had them for 40 years. And I even knew where to find them. That's how important they were. And one of the, his wife would write to us too, and this Mm -hmm. is from her. And she said, I could wish you peace and joy to last your whole life long. And I could wish you sunshine or a cheerful little song but I wish you Jesus because he is everything. And she put Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And so for me, I've kept this. So I would encourage parents too. I used to write little notes to my daughters. And one time for Easter and some of their Easter eggs, I put scripture. Uh, I gave them a Bible in their Easter basket. So those help too, you know, those little nuggets. And they keep it, you know. You know, Libby and Allie will call me and say, hey, mom, can you pray for me? What's going on? And as an instructor, as a teacher, those notes are powerful. What is in writing is always going to be with you. Wow. You know, so I would encourage people to write to and encourage that uh, scripture. That is so good. What is in writing will always be with you. I love that. (laughs) Hey, if you're at home, write that down. Keep that. Write it down. Keep (laughs) it with you. Because it's going to be with you, and and you never know what impact that can make on a student's life. So, well, thanks for coming on the podcast today. This has been great. We're going to have to have Vicky on more often uh, as we get more podcasts. But as we close today, guys, here's one question I want you to reflect on today. What is one thing that I learned today that I can implement in my leadership moving forward? What's one thing I learned today that I can implement in my leadership moving forward? Whether you're a leader or a parent, we want to grow together always. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today, and we thank you, God, that you're a good God that cares about your children, and, and I pray that as we minister to kids, to students, to young adults, um, I pray the things that we do today, God, would go to impact them further down the road, God, that we don't just think future, God, but we think present of how we can impact people today, the things that we can write today, the words that we can say today, that they would be very powerful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.